0: You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things communication, advertising, and marketing. I'm your host, Ted Lau, award-winning agency owner, podcaster, dad, and big fan of Lunch Club where our guest today, Chelsea Kane-Macklin, is at the helm. Chelsea is the Chief Marketing Officer of Lunch Club, where she leads company marketing initiatives that drive brand awareness and user growth. Prior to joining Lunch Club, Chelsea served as Vice President of Marketing at dating and social networking app Bumble, where she led Bumble's global marketing initiatives, focusing on brand and cultural strategy, international brand campaigns, always-on marketing, and integrated partnerships to grow the brand internationally. She helped the company launch its newest vertical, Bumble Biz, and developed go-to market strategies for regions including Canada and Mexico, and scale from 10 million to 100 million registered users. Both professionally and personally, Chelsea has a passion for social impact and supporting women-led businesses, and is deeply interested in the socioeconomic and cultural forces that shape and form human relationships. In her spare time, you'll find Chelsea behind her favorite book, depending on the day, listening to podcasts, traveling, and on occasion, painting. In 2019, Chelsea was named Business Insider's 20 CMOs to Watch. When she's off the clock, Chelsea retires to Chief Mom Officer to her almost three-year-old Quinn. Chelsea, welcome.
0: Thank you for having me, Ted.
1: Well, thank you. So you hail from uh, Texas, is that right?
0: That's right. I'm in Austin, Texas.
1: Austin, Austin, Texas. How's things going over there?
0: Good. Well, sort of good. We just moved to South Austin, which we're loving, loving, loving. But um, we've got some sick pups and a sick chicken. So,
1: <laughs> a sick like- chicken. That's right. You were telling me about your chickens. Actually, in the pre-call that we had, Chelsea was telling me about... Uh, chickens have their own language and they have names for you? Is that what you said?
0: That's right. Uh, there's been some recent research that shows that chickens actually name their owners. And so apparently they have names for all of us.
1: And, and so it, do, you, do you know what your name is? Do you, actually, do you actually hear it?
0: Do you want me to do a chicken impression?
1: No, well, we can do it now. <laughs> we can do it later. But maybe we'll just get into the actual origin story. Maybe before sure. we get into the chicken name, <laughs> sure. tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you, how'd you get here?
0: Um, so i've I've always been in startups or consumer tech. I love love startups. Um, my one of my first gigs was at Reward Style now LTK, and that was right at the beginning of influencer, publisher marketing in general. So um, over a couple years there, I built and then led the what they called the publisher development team. and that helped about twelve thousand clients across the world ranging from small niche publishers and influencers watch blogs to incel or vogue.com. Um, and my team helped all of those clients build their brands, their marketing mixes and provided monetization tools. Um, so really cut my teeth hard on both digital and influencer marketing during that time. I had some wonderful mentors from McKinsey and Bain who really taught me to think about a business first approach. Um, so after my time there, uh, took that and consulted for a bit traveled. It was wonderful. Um, And ultimately landed in Austin, Texas, where I found myself really lonely. (laughs) I missed building a team. I missed meeting clients face-to-face. I missed building a brand from from the inside. Um, So our Bumble CEO and founder, Whitney, had posted something on Facebook, actually, saying that she was looking for marketing folks. And I had worked on a breast cancer awareness campaign several years before that with the Zen CBO, uh, reached out interviewed and and started with that team of about seven, about two weeks later when we were working out of a small apartment in Austin, Texas, which were just the best days. So much fun. Um, And ultimately built the marketing brand and partnerships teams over about four years. Um, Like you said, scaled the community from 10 million to a hundred million, launched over and over again in many different places across many different verticals and um, had the pleasure of Building a purpose-first brand and was so, so amazing. I loved the experience, um, especially because it helped me sort of define my why and, and help me determine what was next. And so I think we talked about last time m- me really being passionate about the intersection of cutting-edge tech, human connection, and then the potential for social impact. And um, a piece of research that I came across when I was at Bumble is called the Disintermediation of Friends. It's a Stanford study. And it essentially showed that since the beginning of online dating, interracial and LGBTQIA couples have skyrocketed in growth. So for all of the challenges that dating apps and sites have put yeah. into the world, there's also this really important aspect of social progress in skipping your existing bubbles. And so when I met the Lunch Club team, first and foremost, they're absolutely brilliant, wonderful people, which is exciting. And you always want to surround yourselves with yourself with amazing people, I think, when you're looking for whatever's next. And was also just thrilled by by what they were building. It checked those three boxes. Lunch Club is a networking platform that connects people via AI. So I like to think of it as engineering serendipity. I don't know about you, but I feel like every once in a while, either when I've traveled or even in coffee shops, you just serendipitously sit next to someone who can change your career or change your life or change something Absolutely. magical and amazing. Yeah. And imagine if you had AI that were, was powering those, those meetings and connections, making them that much better, that much more relevant as you scale. Um, And even, even the like needle in a haystack comparison where, you know, the right connection might be an enormous pile of hay that is so hard for us to personally find people that are, you know, the right, folks for us to connect with from a career development or just from a life perspective. And the AI helps you find that needle in a haystack, faster, bigger, better. And so, yeah, that's what sort of brought me to Lunch Club and why I'm so passionate about both the team and and the mission and the path forward.
1: Well, as a user of Lunch Club, so that's how I actually uh, met you is because I was so enamored by the <laughs> app that i said i gotta reach out to chelsea and see if i can interview her the app itself has really helped me because as an agency owner we're we were locked in vancouver right we that's right. where i'm based in canada and we wanted to grow into the west coast u.s and during well covid i was trying to figure out well how am i going to reach my goal while the airports and borders are shut and serendipity, like you said, one of my friends invited me to lunch club. And then I've just met a ton of great people on lunch club. And I found that however your, your AI does it, it actually matches up with people that I get along with. And I have great things to talk about. And in fact, I'm growing my network and, you know, in a way that I would never have expected pre-pandemic. So with that, how has the pandemic grown lunch club? Has it or have you seen different challenges?
0: Yeah, we've actually seen 15x growth in the last year throughout the pandemic. And if you think about it, like with networking, people have traditionally been limited by geography, by socioeconomic status, by gender, generation, all of the things. And I think this transition for Lunch Club, being able to connect people virtually, is so groundbreaking because it makes building a network more accessible, more convenient. Uh, easier, and I think there will always be a blend of that need of both in person and, and virtual networking. But I'm so excited that it feels like we've proven that virtual networking can be that much more impactful. Um, so we we have we were originally an in person product, sending people to lunch to go meet in person. I think you know we're watching COVID change culture uh, continuously and change the business continuously. And we've gotten requests from the community to bring back in person. So we're just sort of on a local level, on a city-by-city level, following guidelines and sort of thinking about when the right time and place is to open in-person meetings back up as well.
1: Great. Now, growth of 15X also comes with its own challenges. Can you speak to a bit of that challenge given you're in the C-suite there?
0: Sure, um, I think broadly when Lunch Club first launched, it was out of San Francisco, and there was a ton of adoption from um, entrepreneurs, VCs, investors, startups, and over the course of the last year, that's you know the the appetite for Lunch Club has grown and spanned across so many different other categories, um, which is super exciting. But it also means that it's a, it's um, a bit more complex to serve the the community. So actually had the exec team here in Austin last week and we did our planning for the next three to six months, which was really invigorating. And a big piece of that and a goal that I have and the community has, um, at large is understand, understanding how to better serve them at scale. Um, one wonderful thing about lunch club is like, unlike other platforms, as lunch club scales, the AI gets smarter, you get more relevant matches, Where, in comparison, you know, on other maybe social or networking platforms, as they scale, maybe your communication or connections get not as good. (laughs) And so we've got this great benefit of the AI. And now from a a business and leadership perspective, um, you know, taking some time to really understand our community and make sure that we're innovating the product to fit their needs and innovating on a brand and marketing side to ensure that our purpose um, lives through the product experience. And so, yeah, that's what we're excited about in the next few months.
1: And so are you planning to grow into other markets? I know that there were, a number of international locations. I, I think I saw Bangalore on there, if, That's if right. I'm correct. But That's I'm right. like, I I don't know how or what I would do to meet with someone in Bangalore. Maybe I should try it. But yeah. why, why did you guys pick those markets? And what markets are you looking to open?
0: Sure. So some of those have grown organically on their own, especially because, as you know, the tech community is so transient. So a lot of the of larger metropolises across the world, we do see adoption. London is a is a big hub for us as well. Um, And then we've got, we actually do have a few folks in in India where we're testing a lot of new things, just learning. Um, We are doing a bit more from a marketing sandbox perspective in India, which I'm really excited about over the next couple months. Um, And right now we're really focused on on you know our core markets and then experimental markets as well like like india
1: so i interviewed um a guy named bobby Sonny, uh here in canada and he runs an agency called ethnicity matters and he talks mm. about ethnic marketing and how that there are nuances that we need to be mindful of and so you being chief marketing officer of of uh, a platform that's going to grow internationally what are you learning when it comes to those cultural differences you said that sure. you're testing in India, what what's different in India than than maybe in North America?
0: Sure, uh, networking is different. I think in every culture, is in right? every region, yes. And actually, I'll I'll give an example from from Bumble. Um, Bumble is a dating app where women make their first move, and so part of sort of my last couple months at Bumble was also thinking about our cultural strategy and the way that we were. Examining um, the status of feminism in different markets, based on how we then position both the brand and the product. So, for example, you know, in the United States and in the UK, intersectional feminism is really growing um, and is is sort of the forefront of feminism in, in those markets. Um, whereas in Mexico and India, we took a really different approach. Mexico specifically was experiencing some really kind of scary gender-based crime. This is post-pre-COVID. Uh, um, and so the ways that we were thinking about building the brand and uh, maybe customizing the product was very different. In India, for example, Bumble um, only shows the first letter of each person's name when you're connecting with them. Um, and so a lot of learnings, I think, from that experience that are applicable to Lunch Club. And like I said, still very much in the learning phase. I'm in my Third month at Lunch Club, so uh, still still learning from a cultural perspective, and um, like I said, focusing on core and and looking at India and other really amazing markets um, as places to learn and continue to innovate on both the brand and product side.
1: Now you touched on Bumble. I wanted to ask. I don't know many people that started. I think you had said in our pre-call, maybe you said it earlier, that you were the seventh employee when you yeah. got there. Yes, and. How large was it when you left?
0: The team or the community was 100 million. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and the team grew dramatically over those 4 years as well.
1: And so um, how do you handle that? How do you handle that like cuz you were working out of do you say an apartment or garage or whatever, but it, it wasn't you know that tech ooh fancy office <laughs> with the the beautiful ceilings and all that and the the view. How do you adjust to that in 4 years? Mm-hmm. That's that's the span of an Olympics.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to put it. I never thought about it that way. Um, well, first and foremost, I think Bumble is Bumble is so special because it is purpose oriented. And so when you're driving towards a, a purpose, that's a service based purpose, and you really understand your target audience that you're you're serving, it makes a marketer's job you know thirty million times more easy. Um, from a scaling perspective, you know there's there are step changes in terms of what are the, what's the data, what are the insights that you need to fuel um, decision-making and strategy? And you need more and more and more of that data. Whereas earlier it's typically a bit more experimental, of course. Um, and so over the course of the four years, yeah, a, a lot more um, data and insights orientation, um, still continuing the, the through line of purpose and, and serving a, a specific market. Um, And then from a leadership perspective, of course, the team grew many, many times. Um, Hire people that are smarter than you at specific things that, you know, for example, performance marketing is not my bag. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not a great performance marketer. Uh, But having folks on the team that were so skilled at at performance marketing um, was super important and giving them the space and autonomy to both make decisions and give feedback and shape the overall structure is really important. Um, so, so I would say, you know, hire hire really well. And then the over-communication aspect is really important, I think, as both the, the community and the team scales over time. Um, things change so quickly when you're at a quickly scaling company. And, I mean, Bumble is no longer a startup, but um, things are changing and super dynamic so that you have to create more space, I think, for Communication cross functionally, especially when you have teams in you know, Australia or India uh, and you're in Austin, Texas. So you have to be able to communicate in a way that's also scalable um, for yourself and the team. Uh, it was absolutely an amazing experience. But yeah, I would, I would say those are the,
2: the three takeaways. At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.
1: Do you have an example of how to communicate at
0: scale internally? Yes. Um, so, for example, we would essentially redo our meeting and communication strategies every three to six months. So, you know, wow. we, when you when you're scaling as a team so quickly, the yeah. ways of communicating. I mean, when when I first joined Fumble, we were on text. And then we moved to Slack and then we moved to more regular meetings and uh, thinking about both the channels of communication and the the frequency or or type of categories of communication. So we, yeah, it ended up being, I think, every three to six months where we would step back and say, okay, what are the things that we need to change in order to work better as a team together? And here are the three new things. And it also helps to have a highly adaptable and wonderful team. very, very lucky to, to have that um, at Bumble.
1: And so that role grew from just marketing to really leadership. Yeah. Where did you get your leadership training? What kind of tips do you have for our listeners?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that reward sale LTK experience was, was really foundational for me. And I actually went to school on a leadership and uh, scholarship and leadership and merit scholarship. So it's something that I've been passionate about for a really long time. Um but the the yeah, the foundation at Reward Sale and LTK had some both incredible mentors and really great leadership training over my time there that carried forward. Um I've had personally have had coaches from time to time and then have invested in coaches for either individuals or or full teams uh, to help continually improve skill or skill basically and improve communication. Um And it's always been important to me to, to create space for that development because I think, you know, the more autonomous leaders that you have on a team, the, the more impactful and better that team can be as as long as they're communicating together really well and understanding the purpose and the audience and, um, company goals.
1: You had said that you found your why at Bumble. Was that through the Simon Sinek exercise or?
0: Uh, No, um, no, that was more of a personal uh, exercise that I did with a, with a coach.
1: That's great. And then, so what did you discover?
0: Those three things, the human connection, cutting edge tech, and some form of social impact. Um, And that's again, why lunch club is so exciting because it does all of those three things just as a product without me even being a part of it. The team has already built an incredible product that. Leverages cutting-edge tech that connects people in meaningful ways and that unlocks social and economic opportunity. Economic opportunity we see in... I'll give you a great example. Um, There's someone named Billy who is an amazing Lunch Club member. Uh, He's a CSO at Smile Group. Um, And he told me that he couldn't imagine his life without lunch club over the last couple of years. And so he he shared three specific studies or examples with me. Um, One example was someone that he met via lunch club and decided to launch us back with in the last year. Another is someone that he hired from lunch club. And then the last one is a friend who uh, I think lives in Bali and they just have become really good friends and they catch up frequently, I think every couple of months. And he, yeah, he's got this new great friend. So it's that engineered serendipity of, you know, finding value in these almost agendaless conversations, but unlocking really massive economic opportunity, just in that example, but also social opportunity. Like when would you otherwise have a pen pal that lives? across the world from you that you catch up with virtually on a regular basis. So I think that's a really beautiful example of the impact that I think that lunch club can make and have at scale.
1: So you went from one purpose led organization to another Yeah. and you're a purpose driven leader.
0: Yeah.
1: How do you get attracted to go to one to another? Because it's like, well, this is one love. and I got this other, (laughs) other one. It's hard to make that decision or make that jump. Yeah. What what drove you to 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 do that? How did you make that leap? Because not a lot of people get that opportunity to to work at one purpose driven organization. You get the opportunity to to do multiple, and and you get that decision. So, how did you make that that leap, that jump?
0: It's a good question. I, I mean, I'm definitely throughout this career, the pattern has been being attracted to purpose led businesses. So it's a combination of being really excited about this new and juicy challenge of of Lunch Club and telling the story of that purpose because it is the first time that that's happened, right? Like the AI plus uh, networking or the social community plus the the social and economic opportunity. There's also a ton of like juicy research that we're doing now and we'll be doing in the future that will help, you know, validate that. Because right now it's a hypothesis and I'm seeing it, of course, through the success stories and through the amazing you know, community feedback, but we'll have data points to, to prove that in the future. So to answer your question, one, continually being excited and attracted uh, by businesses and leaders like Vlad, our, our founder and CEO, and Scott, our CTO, who are both absolutely brilliant, phenomenal, wonderful leaders... And then also just really loving the stage. Like I love the growth stage and I love the early mid scale stage where, you know, there's a lot of things that you can't anticipate, but there are beautiful solutions that come out from from teamwork and beautiful ideas that can really change lives that come out of that problem, that, that like healthy, wonderful friction of scaling really quickly.
1: Now in your bio you also say that you are chief mom officer <laughs> to uh the lovely Quinn. Yeah. And I have many a friend who a female leader growing their career super super capable, intelligent, smart, all that kind of stuff. And it's hard uh to juggle that whereas, you know, guys uh, for us on uh, selfishly we just for whatever reason still in society we're not necessarily the primary caregiver. So how do you how do you run not one, but two, three successful organizations and still, still do this whole mom thing very well?
0: It's a good question. And I don't know about well, it varies day to day, right? Um, first and foremost, I have a, an amazing partner in my husband, um, Wilson. And I absolutely could not do work mom, dog, chicken mom, all of that without chicken him. Chicken mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, first and foremost, he's wonderful
1: dog is barking again. and dog what's the dog's name
0: uh so that's porter i think and then chicky Port- is also uh, a loud barker but um oh, you have
1: do you have more than one dog i have two dogs and three chickens
0: yes and it's i keep good. bringing different animals home and it's a problem again bless, any horses or goats my, yet? not yet but i am I have the urge, so we'll see. Bless my husband, um, Wilson, again. Do you want me to run it? I think no, grab-
1: You know what? I think it's chill. I think okay. we're just going to do this. And they're probably not even going to cut this and just going to hear this. That's
0: fine. And this think
1: that it's totally cash. And right. That's 2021, kind of, right? 2021. Yeah, exactly. this
0: is the life we're living. Uh, Wilson. Awesome husband. Oh, Wilson. Husband, okay. Awesome husband. Like that. So great. Yeah. He, he ends, um he owns his, his business um, and he and I have both tried to allow ourselves both some structure and flexibility to be great in business and great as parents. And he's an amazing partner in that. And um, I'm so lucky to have him. We also realize it takes a village. So I've got you know my sister and her husband who live here in Austin, and they are such a gift. We have an amazing nanny, Angie, who's dealing with my dog right now, who's barking in the background. <laughs> um, I have a absolutely phenomenal person named Hillary, who you've been in touch with, who yes. helps support on on the lunch club side. And I've got a ton of incredible coworkers, family, and friends who are bought into helping us you know, be the best parents and, and leaders that we can be. So it takes a village. And I don't but think, I think, Yeah, go I ahead. mean,
1: I think that, no, no, I think that's key it's Like to yeah. your success as a leader and your success as, as a mom too, is that you inspire and give what you call uh, leaders a, a lot of autonomy, mm. but you inspire them uh, to, it's like you're, you're raising a, you got a village at Bumble. You had a, vi- you have a village now at, at lunch club and you're, you're doing that here as well. So that's kind of what I'm hearing. And, I would imagine over communicating is something that you do as well. So, what does that mean, over communicating? Because for me, when I over communicate, my staff kind of look at me and kind of go, "Like, okay, Dad, like it's enough." (laughs) Like, I I get it. So, so how do you? What do you do that you're over communicating, but you're not like, I don't know, doing whatever they're doing or I'm doing
0: that I shouldn't be doing. That's good. So, in 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 work, um, over communicating means you know you have the regular weekly meetings or regular stand-ups throughout the week you have i've always been a a leader who wants and desires the one-on-ones i know some some folks don't and it's not helpful for them for me they're very helpful and I, i i think and hope for my team they're very helpful as well um and just also making Making the experience fun enough (laughs) that we can trust each other and have open lines of communication. So trying to bring, um, you know, some amount of play and fun into our meetings together and checking in in the good times, like when we're doing well as a team or as a business. And also in the bad times, I think, you know, it's really easy to um, micromanage or retreat during times of challenge but i think if there's that like healthy empathy and ability to understand you know people where they are and the business where they are it it helps to have even more effective communication so i, I suppose i should say effective communication not over communication because effective communication is, is what makes it all work
1: i'll take that <laughs> so lunch club i'm, I'm on it uh, once a week twice a week uh, meeting different folks and i never see any advertising Yep. I never see any kind of um, retargeting or anything like that. So you did call it a hypothesis and I would imagine eventually you're going to have to monetize. So is there a monetization model that we don't see in the background or maybe not yet?
0: No, no monetization that? yet. Um, I mentioned that, that offsite that we had last week and we did talk about some experiments that we'll be thinking about um, and potentially running in the next three to six months um, but no, no plans to to monetize heavily right now or in the the next quarter.
1: That's fantastic. So you basically just get to play, experiment, find a bunch of cool things that are going to work. That's fin- that's that's kind of every marketer's dream,
0: is it? Yeah, that's why it's so fun at this stage, right? <laughs>
1: oh my! So what cities would you say stand out when you guys are are trying to grow? Are there? Sure. Like, I, you know, L.A.'s a big market. I think you guys are New York and Vancouver. So which markets?
0: Yeah. Um, so sort of the ones that you would imagine, New York, L.A., Toronto, major cities in Canada, San Francisco, almost every major hub and quickly growing city in the United States, Canada, London, um, and those are, those are the markets that we're really focused on right now, like I said, as well as some of the experimentation um, from an India perspective. But I think the exciting thing about where we are right now and what we've seen from a virtual networking perspective is that you don't necessarily need to be in a certain city or a certain location to have a really amazing connection and conversation. And in fact, some of the best success stories are folks that are connecting from totally different time zones or totally different cultures. Um, So I think, you know, my perspective has always been uh, take a global approach and think about how we can, you know, drive value from a global perspective. And if and when it makes sense to really focus on a localized approach to that as well. Um, But I would say we're at a phase in the business where, um, you know, specific metrics, of course, are super important but also the ability to connect our community across the world is really exciting and helps serve our purpose even better, potentially.
1: So our generation of, of marketers have basically grown up thinking, okay, let's go and look for purpose-led organizations. And there's really not that many. And those that might have it you know, nice and pretty on their website, but don't actually you know, walk the walk so what advice do you give to those up and coming marketers so that they can identify rightly an organization that is going to align with their purpose and isn't just, you know, doing it for PR purposes?
0: Sure. Uh, I mean, so much of marketing is show and tell, but I think businesses that are really purpose led do a lot of show and not telling. (laughs) So I think some good examples of that are also businesses where CSR is sort of built into the business model. Like Patagonia is amazing. And I think if you look at where the money is going from a business perspective, you can tell, okay, this is a business that puts its money where its mouth is from a sustainability perspective. Or Ben and Jerry's is another great example. I have a friend who just joined a CMO of gofundme which is a great example of both a mm-hmm. purpose driven leader and a purpose led organization musa is absolutely amazing and i think that purpose led organizations also attract purpose led leaders so musa is a great example of that but i think look at the look at the business look at where the money's going look at the leadership and what their perspective is and do some due diligence
1: it's fantastic. And then when you are interviewing or talking to these or these leaders of organizations, what do you look for from the actual leaders themselves? Any mm-hmm. personality traits that you find are common? No. <laughs> no common no, no traits not, or no, no. <laughs> What do you mean?
0: I think there are there are like vastly different leaders who yeah. I think are are purpose driven and it, it really uh, comes down to understanding what the company's goals are and their goals are from a long-term perspective or from a legacy perspective. And so that was something that I was really excited about when I connected with with Vlad, Lunch Club's CEO and founder. And understanding that both his vision for you know the purpose of, of the brand and the long-term impact of the business is really aligned with mine. And that made it that much more thrilling to, to join the team full time.
1: That's great. Okay. Well, uh, just because I'm mindful of time, I want to get into a little bit of rapid fire sure. to ask, uh, you so that we can, we can get to know Chelsea a little bit. All right. So you ready. I think so. <laughs> Let's start easy. What's the first thing that you ever marketed
0: influencers? Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Any particular type of influencer?
0: Uh, lifestyle.
1: Lifestyle. All Mm. right. Favorite marketing book.
0: Growth hackers. Ryan Holiday. Growth hackers. Ryan Holiday. Yeah.
1: Love that guy. It's a good one. One of my favorite authors. He's awesome. Night owl or early bird.
0: I want to be an early bird, but I always end up being a night owl or an early bird. Yeah, I want to be an an early bird, and as you know, having children kind of forces you to be a little bit of an early bird.
1: There is no snooze button. No. Not yet. Anyhow. So neither? I guess I'm neither. Neither. <laughs> are you a visual reader? Do you actually pick up the physical book or do you listen to audiobooks?
0: I prefer to read, but I, I like both.
1: What kind of tunes are you listening to right now?
0: I've been really into, I love Motown. I've always loved Motown. Going back to that more um, wow. recently. Yeah. I love it.
1: Favorite chicken. Do you have a favorite?
0: Well, Penelope is no longer with us, but she was my favorite. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. Are you planning to have more chickens? Because you have three right now, you said, right?
0: Yes, I have three right now. I think given we've just moved to this spot in South Austin, as long as I can make sure that they're safe and healthy here, then we'll expand the flock. But first, day, I have to make sure that we've got a good fence in and you know, all the necessities.
1: Favorite carnival food? Corn dog. Favorite children's book?
0: Oh, that's really hard. The Littlest Family. What is that? that I think that's what it's called. Hold on a second. Let me just double check. It's called The Littlest Family. There's about three bears in the woods. It's very sweet. You you
1: don't have a little family at all. No, I don't. you (laughs) You have plenty of animals to keep you busy.
0: Okay, here it is. The Littlest Family's Big Day by Emily Martin. Nice. Great book.
1: Favorite snack after the bar? Cheese. Just cheese? (laughs)
0: Just straight cheese. Just straight
1: (laughs) cheese. You know what? I did find, I found out this is, I'm lactose intolerant now, but when I was in high school and I, in high school, I might have been persuaded to drink a little. And then one (laughs) night... I stole a block of cheddar cheese from a buddy's <laughs> no house way. and I proceeded to... I, 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 mean, I didn't know this, but this friend of mine, we were walking home and he's like, dude, you crushed that entire block of cheddar <laughs> oh <my> cheese.
2: <laughs> right? He must have now, felt you know, so bad. Oh, so
1: no, bad. I felt great. I felt great. And, but now I think um, that might have been why I became lactose
0: intolerant. <laughs> it triggered but you know,
1: it when, you're you. A, when you're a 15-year-old boy, as my martial arts instructor, be like, Tedda, you can digest stones. <laughs> He used to to say that. I could eat anything.
0: I think I like him.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, you'd be surprised.
0: He was pretty angry.
1: (laughs) Last charity that you supported financially or with your time?
0: Uh, Lebanese Red Cross yesterday.
1: Wow. Lebanese Red Cross.
0: I have some team members that are Lebanese that are in Lebanon right now. And so they inspired me to donate towards that organization.
1: Wow. Any advice that you'd give a young person starting out in their
0: marketing journey? Oh, read a lot. Find a great mentor outside of your existing organization and listen to Ted.
1: <laughs> listen to Ted. Ted Talk? Not this Ted. Hopefully not this, this guy. Ted this Ted and Ted, Ted Talks. Ted, Ted, oh, no, Ted. Listen to Ted Talk. No, this, this Ted knows nothing. This Ted knows nothing.
0: Uh, agree to disagree.
1: So any last thoughts that you had around Lunch Club, Bumble... Being a mom, whatever, whatever oh you want gosh. to talk about.
0: I don't think so. Just thank you so much for having me today, and uh, honored to be on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Well, we're really happy to have you, everyone. If you haven't checked out Lunch Club, please do. Great way to meet people all over the world, and uh, like Chelsea said, sometimes it's agendaless, and then you have this engineered serendipity. So.
0: Yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Chelsea. Oh, one thing. One yes, thing. Yeah, if go you t- ahead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Obviously, it would be a terrible marketer if I didn't say sign up at lunchclub.com. And then to follow us along, please go to Twitter, @lunchclubai. AI.
1: 100%. Thank you very much, Chelsea. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for another great episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm your host, Ted. This was Chelsea from Lunch Club. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you, Ted. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and the Podfather.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies.